All right, it's your boy DJ Cyclops here with another edition of After the Music Stops right here on His Cartel Radio. And t- today we have a very special guest. We have the legendary Bass Kings himself, 69 Boys. What's going on, big bro? What up, man? Through the player checking in, 69 Boys style. Happy to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So first off, let the people know who is the 69 boys if they don't know for the younger generation. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. For everybody out there who may not be familiar with 69 boys, uh, we're a group out of Florida. Uh, of course, we brought you the hit Tootsie Roll, uh, many other hits, Kitty Kitty, uh, Woof Woof from the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack. Um, we also written and produced songs like Space Jam, Come Ride the Train. Uh, and we've also produced for and, and done songs with Yin Yang Twins. Everybody that you may know, our cornerstone is uh, Miami-based music, being from Florida. That's how we got out. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So name 69 Boys. Where did that come from? How did that come about? Um, well, we come from at the time that we came out being uh, somewhat the offspring of the two live crew, we wanted to have something that was suggestive and that could have a meaning that teased the public. But at the same time, during the time, a lot of people, whether it was two live crew, 95 South, a lot of people were using numbers in the name for us. We thought, you know, for one, the kind of crew that we were just coming wild, we wanted something that kind of Made people does it mean this or what does it mean? You kind of broke up just a little bit, the last part. Uh, no, and I just said, you know, we just wanted something that people would wonder what, you know, what basically caused inquiring minds to want to know what does it mean. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. So, Let's bring up a Tuxie Roll. Tuxie Roll is like a timeless track, and it's still being played today. You know, we talked before, and I told you, I said, you know, from me doing a talent show in kindergarten to actually DJing it 20 years later at my nieces and nephews' events, it, you know, like I said, it's timeless. So where did that concept of Tuxie Roll just come about? Uh, man, just actually the whole album was cut. Tootsie Roll wasn't one of the songs on 1990 Quad. The album was done. And one thing that we've always done, if we have an album done or an album due date to turn something in, we still just keep making records. Sort of like Tupac did when he died, he still had tons of songs. So exactly. we still have tons of songs that's never been released. Tootsie Roll was just one of the songs uh that wasn't on the album i went to the club one night we would club a lot i'm talking about tuesday wednesday thursday we would just find a different city to go to the club and soak up that energy and i went to a party on a wednesday night at uh bethune cookman university down in daytona and uh they dropped a very white sample to look at her and, and the college kids went crazy i was like man we gotta use this record i took it back to the studio jay was just getting home from the uh from Cracker Barrel, that he had bought a bank, a, 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 a Tootsie Roll bank. It was a bank, it was a Tootsie Roll, but it had a slit at the top, so it was a bank. And um, the beat came on, 
And I just started doing like a version of the butterfly. We already said we wanted to have a dance song. We wanted to have something that everybody could do, something that wasn't too hard. So, I mean, it literally came together in one night, maybe two, two and a half hours tops. We put the song together. The rest is history. Nice, nice. So it just came off of a sample and a Tootsie Roll bank. Really? Wow. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's weird. Uh, you know, it's weird because, like, like I said, when you hear it today and you, you see the kids try to do the dance and, you know, um, they get mixed up. Some, you know, even some of the older crowd getting mixed up with the butterfly. You know, it, you know, it, there's a different, there's a key difference between the two. And, you know, if you don't know how to do the Tixie Roll and you think you're doing it and you're actually probably doing a butterfly. So, you know, <laughs> so, you know, um, now let me ask, how did y'all come about far as linking up uh, to say, okay, this is what we're going to do far as music wise? How, how did that go about? Um, well, okay. Um, family, my God, dad, um, um, uh, in Jacksonville, my hometown. So I found out, I came home, I to my dad for the job. And I was responsible for taking artists that would come to town. distributors that distributed the music, but up would send artists like Mary J. Blige, Joe um Luke would send H-Town. All of these acts would come from town, and I would have to show them because I handled all the ordering for the store. I handled picking up the merch. All of the inside things to understand how a record, uh, selling records worked. And so from there, I jumped, my homeboys, me and the two guys from 95 South, we were one group called Major League, the juniors to the Chill Deal Boys. So they already had a record deal. They were putting out records. So okay. we were just putting out our music, putting music together, so on and so forth. And uh, one day they went to the studio. I wasn't there. I was still at the record shop and they cut Whoop There It Is, which automatically made them a group. So I had to come up with my own situation. So I cut my whole album before 69 Boys was a group. It was the 69 Boys was a concept, like I said before, Heavy D and the Boys. Big Daddy Kane, a rapper and two hot dancers. Um, and I cut the whole album and then I went to the club one night in Orlando being at the club. Um because by now, Woo, there it is, was huge. The company had moved down to Orlando because there was no music industry in Jacksonville, but you had Universal, you had Nickelodeon, you had a lot of outlets for music industry down in Orlando. So by then, we had moved there. I went to the club on a Tuesday night, fast and slow, um, were in the club, joking, dancing. I mean, because back then it would be grown. I mean, we would battle in the club. It would be a dance battle. It would go down mm -hmm. at any time. Rock, electric, king, anything come on, it's going down. So they would battle and slaughter everybody. So I stepped to them. I was like, look, I just finished the album. It's coming out. I got a show next week, and I want to put the group together. I like what y'all do. How about we just, y'all come be the dancers, and we'll be the 69 boys, and we'll be whoop, and the rest is history, literally. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So with all the accolades that came over the years, what was probably your, I guess, your highest 
like you put like above all of them because like you said you've done you know the space gem soundtrack you've done tuxie roll you you got this new record out so what what has been your highlight of your career so far um the highlight i, I guess i would have to say um i guess it's recovering from a low light so um i had i did a project called user friendly that went straight to the gospel circuit coming in between. Because after the, the 69 Boys 1994, then we did The Wait Is Over, which was a partnership album with Atlantic. I then went into radio. And while I was in radio, uh, I was blessed to have a radio show that I advanced to, to nights on a urban station for Clear Channel. I started at CBS, but I ended with Clear Channel with a six to 10 day part on a 13 plus demographic station. So it was a chance to bring the audience along. Well, while doing that, I was searching for self because I had a place to see and a lot of other pills and drugs that I, well, pills was a drug of choice for me. And in going through that, I went to a dark place and coming out of that, I did a user-friendly project that I released in the gospel circuit and it touched so many lives. A lot of people would call me and say, or text me or, or, or post and say, hey man, this project is awesome. It touched my life, it changed my life for me. So not only did it help them, but it helped me to recover from that and God spoke to me at that time. I wasn't even sure what I was supposed to do, whether I was even supposed to make music anymore or just tell people about how God can help bring you out of because I had got to the point I was taking morphine just walking down, just to walk down the street like daily. I, whatever I could chop up and just get a little bit of it. But I could always manage. I would never do a cocktail that was too strong and could, I felt, take me out. But all of it could have took me out was the grace of God I did. So long story short, my biggest highlight is being able to do a project where I'm not sure where I'm even at in life. I'm just making the music because it has to come out of me. That project ends up touching people's lives, ends up helping to therapeutically, in a sense, help me heal as well. And then from that point, I was like, God, am I supposed to keep making music like this? And then I clearly remember God saying to me, if you do that, then who's here to help Will Smith? And who's here to help other people in the industry that just want to make good, clean music for people to have a good time? To? And that's what brought me back to how we ended up at the Whoop record and just some of the records that we put out since then because just the pursuit of you know how people say love and happiness the pursuit of fun and happiness yeah yeah gotcha gotcha so now you know that's new to me because i i did not know you actually took the gospel circuit because you know i'm normally i'm i'm straight gospel because i i started in the gospel circuit as well you know uh as a gospel dj and a gospel artist so you know um coming to the the secular side of stuff you know was a little struggling at first but you know um you know god was like okay hey this is a this is another avenue to to let people know your story you know um and you know i i like how you said how you like you know to help artists like will smith you know will smith i i looked up to him as an artist as well because 
like you said, he does nothing but clean music. Nothing but clean music. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, and, you know, he, he did have get a lot of backlash at it for at first, you know, for him being clean music. Because if you go look at his movies, it's nothing about. Him. So, you know, so it's like, you know, um, to separate the two. But then at with your situation, that during that period of time, like you said, to bring you out of something that was so dark you know, was, you know, a testimony in itself because, you know, a lot of people don't know the the rough, the rough days that, you know, people go through in, in the industry, you know, they just see like the good stuff, you know. I've, I had a conversation with another artist a couple of weeks ago saying like, for artists, you know, you ha- it's almost like you have to put on a mask every day when you go out because you know you're you're in you're in a public eye, but you really don't know no. the you know the pain and the, the struggle and the hurt that the artist actually go through behind the behind doors, you know, until it's too late to where it's like, okay, they were actually dealing with something, but we didn't know because you know a lot of the entertainment industry, you know, they don't want to, you know, share the, you know, the stuff they, they go through, the mental health they go through, you know, until it's too late. So I, I commend you for, you know, like you said, that being one of your lowest points, but God bringing you out of that to say, okay, this is what I'm here to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And still doing it to this day. So I commend you on that. Um, right. And I want to add, too, because, you know, I'm not one of those artists that feel like people, first of all, as an artist, God give us our gift to help uplift people and uplift situations. That's why the music I make is never about, you know, the problems you have or the struggles you have. You know, even I, I just always try to find a way to look at the upside. And I say that to say this. I'm definitely not one of those artists that feel like people have to understand that how difficult my life is. I'm blessed to be an artist. I'm blessed to have this as a profession. And what I don't get into the Disney world, I don't want to see the man who planned Mickey Mouse. I want to see Mickey Mouse. I don't want to come here and hear about nobody's problems and see that I'm, I'm coming to make him, I'm coming to Disney World to see mouse run down the street, ducks walk down the street, princesses yeah. walk out of cabins. I'm coming to escape reality. I'm coming to be entertained. So when I do entertainment, I don't try to burden people with what I'm going through. That's not what they're here for. They're here to be entertained. So when I got to put on the Mickey Mouse outfit and entertain them, that's what I'm here for. So I'm saying all that to say, you know, I definitely never want, because I didn't get into drugs for a dark place. It felt good, the, uh, you know, real ecstasy back in the day. It, it, but no matter what, this, I thank God that my grandmama kept me in church before I went, because I did have the sense enough to understand that even though I was hanging around people that was doing all this stuff, I thought I could change that. And one of the things that's always been true, if you hang around stuff that you think you're strong enough to change, 
without powering back up and then getting from around that stuff, you will be sucked into it. I got sucked into it. It was a lesson for me. And I've tried to take that lesson and share it with people so that they know they can have a Gotcha, gotcha. And like you said, you, you know, with your uplifting music and, you know, a lot of a lot of the artists out here do have that uplifting music, but it's kind of like they don't get that much publicity behind it because of the, you know, of the uplifting stuff, unless you are in the gospel circuit, you know. Um, so. I, like I said, I commend you on that. They do. I mean, here's my point. If you really made it to uplift somebody, then don't wait for somebody to pay for you to go uplift people. If you really made it to uplift somebody, this for all the artists out there that say they make an uplifting music for people, then uplift yourself off your butt mm. and get out there and go uplift the people if that's really what you made it for. Because you should never wait on a budget to uplift somebody, especially a budget from somebody else. Because if God gave you the mission and the ability to uplift somebody, then he's going to create a way for you to do it. So that kind of music can never be underestimated unless the person just get tired of uplifting themselves to go uplift others. That's my personal opinion. Exactly, exactly. So besides the music, well, let me ask you this. If you couldn't do music at all, what would you be doing in life right now? Um, something involved with entertainment, whether it would be uh, directing or shooting films. Because uh, I've always, I was re really good at football and I knew I either wanted to do that or be a professional wrestler, which is acting within itself. So when those two didn't work out and God allowed me to do this, I knew it was supposed to be something entertainment uh, related. So I think that's what I know 100% that's what I would be. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and with your, with your time spent in the industry and you seeing the evolve of the music, how it, you know, is involved over the years, where do you, where, how can I say, where do you see yourself fitting in? Because I know, you know, you have like a cubics and you have, a, you have yourself and you still have those people that still got that good feel music. And like I said, with the way the music is evolving, you know, I, I know this one thing, um, if, my, if I'm not mistaken, I don't, you know, I don't hear auto tune on your music. If right. I, if I, you know, because you know, some people had to adapt to the auto tune era, and mm -hmm. you know, um, so where where do you see yourself like with the whole music? How is it involved right now? Yeah, I mean, I think music is 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 art, right? So if you walk into a museum, you see a lot of pictures on the wall. Some of them you stop and look at, and you really appreciate. Some you walk by and you say, eh, that's not so much for me, but it's still art. That's why it's in the museum. That's how I feel about music. I feel like the wall that we want to always hang ourselves on is party and fun. And we always want to make music for people eight to 80, but a sound is a sound and we've chose a sound and the sound is Miami based. Yeah, we might sprinkle a little auto tune in there every now and then, but it's not a lot. 
we want to always add ingredients from the current culture and the past culture to make the best combo that we can make culture here's music here's mind and bass that here's party gotcha gotcha so let's let's go back to the 90s growing you know it right coming up in the in the florida area for those who's not around the florida area kind of paint a picture of the music scene back then it like like i said for the younger generation pretty much outlines it. That was what the nation would be able to see. Uh, it was mostly, even though they came from a jet group, high jam and game And they had jam first DJs. Um, a lot of that culture was based on DJ and party big speakers. The Uncle Al is in the park on Sunday. Um, and then you go up the road to Atlanta, Kizzy Rock. Uh, a lot of those people that were doing the Atlanta version of what we were doing in Florida. So that gave us a network. And from that network, a lot of the groups, whether it's the, the Two Live Crew or uh, young and restless, or JT Moon, boys, boys, 95 South, YC DJs, uh, Kilo Ali, uh, Deuce. Uh, I mean, that was the vibe. Big Chevys, half dressed women, um, and nobody shooting at everybody. Everybody just trying to go to the hotel after the club and not make babies, but have a, a whole lot of adult like, fun and trying not to happen that and trying not to make babies but still doing stuff too much. <laughs> yeah that was the gotcha 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 so let, let's talk about the, the space gym soundtrack how how did that come about and how was it working on that project um the quad city djs was signed with atlantic atlantic was over the soundtrack and asked them if they wanted to do a song. I was at the studio. We came in with the idea. I wrote the song, and that was it. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, because I remember getting the cassette tape for that soundtrack just for that song, and I believe I could fly. Those two songs. I don't care about the whole other songs on there. It was those two songs. <laughs> and you know, it, it, you know, uh, like I said, it, it's those songs that you know have a lasting impact on you know uh, the culture because you know that movie was a part of our culture, you know, and to hear that to hear y'all like when y'all that movie first comes on is like boom, you know, um, it, it's there, so it's like. You know, when when I hear people talk about this new Space Jam, I was like, nah, it's not the original Space Jam. It's not the original soundtrack. It's, it's not. It's, it's <laughs> you know, uh, it's not like it used to be. You know, um, so with the with the type of vibe that y'all bring to the table, with the type of you know 
and I, I feel this, you know, I feel your energy, you know, how, how uplifting you are. Um, what, what do you, what do you see coming from, well, going the next 20 years, you, God willing, you're still here. Y'all still gonna be putting out music. Cause like I said, you know, y'all, y'all still got it with this new track. It's been what, 20, 20 years, 20 years. This is good that, you know, yes. We've gotten a lot of singles, but this is our first studio album in 20 years. Man, we're going to still be making music, bro. Like I explained to I explained to a lot of people, like we didn't put the years of sweat equity into making a career that we did to just give it up and stop making music. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? I, I think, you know, you being a DJ, me being an on-air DJ, I think I've seen in the past, since COVID, one of the biggest failures and in in one of the, the, the DJs, in a sense, and, and me holding myself accountable as a DJ, like the culture that's out here has been taken over by people that don't understand the streets. It's almost like the DJs across the country are really hood program directors, and they gave their power away in every city to the radio stations that were being led, maybe like you could have a, a city like Dallas where the program director may not even be from Dallas, but he's programming the city of Dallas. You understand what I'm saying? So with that being said, like musically, we want to always make music and fight for our place in this. And we believe people like Joe and people like Case and people like Mary Lyle and people like who put sweat equity in it, the only reason those people, even their new projects, aren't being exposed the way they should is because you got grown DJs walking around with their pants hanging off of them, trying to play something for a culture that will never accept them. Show me one DJ that 18-year-olds rush to follow on the internet. One DJ of our age. I don't care. They could, they could be Diddy. Who had more followers? A young person like uh, NBA young boy, did he make money? But young boy from the viral generation. So I'm saying about that to say musically, there was a musical revolution in the 80s and the 90s that the, the gatekeepers now should be holding and upholding and playing. I shouldn't go to the club and never hear a guy. Mm. Uh, I, I shouldn't go to the club. And never hear but the only reason I don't hear that is because the DJs ain't playing it because they're chasing something, trying to be a part of something that will never allow them to be a part of that. Instead of financially dealing with the people, we were all 18 back in the days. We all had to scrape up money to go somewhere. Those people who were 18 are now head of companies, head of uh, divisions of companies, and have legitimate income to spend on stuff. And when they do throw something for that age group, they have to call it Funk Fest or Jazz in the Garden and hold it outside because there's not a venue, an indoor venue, big enough to hold the audience from the 90s. So where DJs don't get that, those groups that they put sweat and in, I never understand. So I'll always be making music and I'll always be fighting the fight for people who put minute to help 
culture, they handled the lady part in a sense, blocked out black people not understand what the hell is even going on in the culture. Man, that, that's a good point because what you just brought up, I guess I had to sit there and kind of reflect on it because I do realize like when you have like, okay, I guess uh did a uh block party back in August and uh Dougie Fresh was there, but it was like I said, a block party outside. It nobody, it wasn't an indoor venue. You know, it was you know, it was like okay, being a part of different events over my over the past 10 years, all the people that you mentioned, like the guys and the Keith Sweats and the cases, every event that they came to here in Texas, at least in my city, it's been outside because nobody wants to, like you said, nobody has that venue because they're catering to the to the younger generation. You know, the clubs I've DJed at to where they're like, okay, we don't want a younger crowd. We're, we're trying to cater to the, you know, the upscale adults, you know, the, the 30s and up. But eventually they're like, okay, but we want this music. So that attracts the younger crowd to where the younger crowd is coming in more heavily and pushing away the 30 and up crowd right right but but here's here's my part about that how and here's here's the sacrifice so you're telling me as a club owner and as a dj now i'm just saying because let's just take hypothetically let's say that as a club owner so as a dj he's playing music that drive away his patrons that's willing to pay 500 to take versus an audience that everybody has to get in free and drink free till midnight. How much longer do they have to give away the club to pull in an audience that is telling you, the only way I'm going to be a part of what you got going on is if I'm going to get it for free. And even if you give it to me for free, I might come mess with you or I might go pay $200 to go to Rolling Loud because whether y'all get it or not, you know, I just think we're living in a generation where you got mainstream media caught in a, a mind warp of not understanding the audience you trying to win they're never coming over here for that so go ahead and accept for once in life they bought something to the table that you didn't understand and you didn't know so instead of you doing that holla at snoop dogg holla at slick rick holla at 69 boys holla at jade Holla at 702. Those people, will, they, they're, they're packing street and block parties in your community. I'm sure you play child, a young boy, and his, their audience is on their SoundCloud and on their Spotify page listening to them already. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes, yes. You know, it, it, you know, I, I remember growing up and you know going to different concerts like well my first concert i was nine years old i went to a bone thugs carmen concert so uh <laughs> you know that that was a packed concert though you know back then you know concerts were 
concerts to where you enjoyed yourself, you know, and it, it was like a, a family affair. Now, you know, with a younger generation coming in, bringing the, the newer artists, it's, it's not that much of a family affair no more. So when you do have those events like the Rolling Louds and the, and the block parties and stuff like that, you know, you try to get to all of them, but then again, it's always your market, where your market is. Because I'll be honest, San Antonio market is not as heavy when it comes to like the 90s artists and, you know, they're more so the, they'll, they'll, they'll rock with the, you know, the Houston labels, you know, they'll rock with the, you know, the Latinos, but if I- no, that's, that's, that's grown people hanging with young people. Anybody with that perspective is a grown person trying to be young. Because I've done a ton of shows in San Antonio. San Antonio is my best market in Texas for 90s parties. And the artists, like when we came, Nelly had just left. The week before that, 2 Chains had just left. The week before that, Slick Rick had just left. It's an audience for it, but grown people got to hang with grown people. You know, <laughs> see, this is the thing that, this is the conversation DJs don't want to have. They don't want to have the, 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 the pass it on Here's what I mean by that. The new DJs, they have absolutely no desire to coincide with the old DJs. That's why every city you go to, there's always, oh, this is the new school vibe over here, man. That's the OGs. That's the OGs. It's respect in the comment, but what they're saying is, if you want to be cool, you want to be hip, come over here with us. Either way, as a DJ, what they're doing is dividing the money. They're saying, hey, look, and dividing the city, saying, if you're going to be new school and cool, come over here. If you're going to be old school and that, now the vets over here, the OGs, you could have a 28-year-old OG that's been the guy since he was 19. And he know how to rock a crowd. And he has a format that he used. That dude may be the number one DJ at the mix show on the station. He may do all the adult nights. But meanwhile, all the other DJs who was over here on the ground side, instead of them looking for different ways to make themselves marketable and keep their what they know alive, they try to come over here where they already getting called up, where they are already getting called OG, where they think that their cachet and the new generation, these kids, it's not about the music, it's about popularity. Mm. How can an old school DJ or an adult DJ be as popular as a high school DJ that has thousands of kids around him every day and go with a girl at another school who's popular with it? It's a popularity contest. So you're never going to win that. Get back to the roots and feed your audience. No, you may not be able to get 2,000 people in a club like it was when it was 18. But if you got a consistent 200 a week, you control that 200. And once some of them move on and get saved and don't even want to come to the club no more, it's somebody over here that was once 19 that just turned 25, 26 that's coming over here to fill that spot. That's what we're missing. It's a lack of creativity. It's people thinking that the game was going to stay the same. And now that the game has changed, they're walking around like zombies, not realizing it's changed and what they need to get back to to service the people in their community. It doesn't matter if Southern Soul come through their city and do it right in their face while they got the number one FM station on the air. And these Southern Soul artists had to come in and take love from AM stations and low frequency FM and still putting more people in the park 
than these people over here with the high frequency FM that think two chains and Drake walking through the door. No, y'all selling the people a facade. Ain't nobody coming through these doors. People over here hard down getting in with Southern Soul and whoever's gonna come to town, touch them, talk to them, congregate with them, and and fraternize with them. Yes, because yeah, I, I I really I really agree with everything you just said because you know it, um me I, I feel like I'm in that in between era like I could go either way but my heart and soul is with 90s music 90s R&B hip-hop you know and like those are the parties that I I normally DJ and I get a good reaction out of now when you know I get asked to do the high school parties I'm like okay I'll do it cool and then but like I said, my my following is the not the the 90s era, you know, that that's where my following is. So, you know, with the with the connections that I have in the city, it's we're like it's hard to do that, but at the same time, if you ain't like you said, if you ain't got the if you ain't got the push behind it, like and then it ain't about a push, big dog. Like, if I'm a DJ and I'm a club and I'm a 90s DJ or I'm a DJ that come from the 90s and the 2000s, because all of that the same. Like, if anything came out before the year 2013, 2014, they call old. So it ain't got to be with the 90s. It could be, shit, stuff came out last month that they gonna call old. Last year, that they, this groups came out last year that we don't even know where they at no more. <laughs> so that would be considered old. My yeah. thing is, it's no matter what, if I had to take the the vocals of Keith Sweat and put it under an NBA young boy beat. What the hell is wrong with that? Nobody's expecting cats to walk around and play 90s music all the time. But what are you doing to bridge the cultures? How are you trying, or are you just going in here trying to force feed an audience that never heard young boy something? Are you putting the whispers up under young boy to branch him and to bring him along to that? Are you putting a guy uh I like beat under Saweetie, or are you just coming in here playing ready to thank people? Because when they start playing that new stuff, the core radio audience love that. Anybody trying to stay here and tune in and listen to this because we don't know what it is. And it's all no matter what. But it go back to the DJ. Are you being creative? Are you mixing reggae with old school blend? Or what are you doing to advance? Because or is it just show up, play the record, put it on, take it off, get the check, go home? Well, man, they have been underpaying us as DJs so long. Let's don't even worry about how our set look. Let it go pick up the bag like a bandit, tie the mask on, pick up the bag, and ride off into the sunset. That's just a lot of that. What's going on? You know what I'm saying? It ain't. It ain't nothing but. Are you willing to be the hottest, and what are you willing to do to do it? It ain't nobody else's fault. It's the DJ who control who program the city. Go to a city where it's a lot of murder. And then turn on the radio and see what they're being fed. Go to a city. Uh, no, we ain't got to go to a city. Let's go back to the 60s and 70s, where it was, where my granddaddy had a baby for my grandmama and Miss Pearl down the street and Miss Sheridan over there. But you turn on the radio and what was happening? Temptations. Yeah. Smokey Robinson in the miracle. Then you go to the 70s. It's heroin everywhere in the street. It's dope. It's drug. Turn on the radio, what's happening? 
back on the streets again. You got the Mac. You got program directors, program cities, music and entertainment program cities. So when the, when the cities got blood on the streets, listen to what they're playing. Listen to how they're being programmed, whether it's an on-air DJ or a street DJ. Listen to it. See what's going on in the city. If it's babies being born, turn it on and see what that city. I bet you it's baby making hour almost every hour in the city. People don't realize the power of music and the power of words in music. Yeah, that is so true. You know, that is so true because, you know, uh, especially with the generation now, I hear a lot of people say, okay, I can relate to a song just by the words, you know, I'll, I'll turn on a song to whatever I'm going through that day. You know, it, it's like you said, you, you could kind of, it's almost like uh, Marvin Gaye, what's going on? You know, it, you know, when that song came out, you know, he was basically saying what was going on, you know? So it was like, okay, but now you have, songs today it's almost like they, they try to stray away from it to they kind of be safe with it but then at the same time when they do talk about it it's like okay the radio don't really want to hear this stuff you got no i got you i got you the radio don't want to hear it because the street djs don't support it the radio gonna play what the street djs play period in texas when the street DJs start playing Yellow Beezy, the radio start playing Yellow Beezy. When the big, when the street DJs drop that, uh, they scared to come outside. That didn't start on the radio. Nope. Streets won it. And until the streets realize, if you want a positive agenda, you got the power to push it. You just got to have the balls to push it. Or do you want to play the hot song that you think this look twenty-one year old gonna go home? After you don't call the DJ movie, give you some. No, bruh, that's not what you're here for. C control the community. Put if, if you want people to make positive music, play the shit. Play the shit. Stop trying to be hard. You're grown now. Pull your pants up. Tighten up. Respect the grown audience and be there for the grown folk. If a matter of fact, half of your DJs, if you go over to the grown folk club, you'll be the youngest thing in there. You might pull something now because you ain't pulling nothing with them young. And you know what? It, it, it's weird that you say that because I went to a club probably back in October and I was like the youngest one there. I was like, Wait, what's going on? But I wasn't a DJ. I was just going in there just as a spectator because it was my aunt's birthday. And I was like, OK, I'm just going in. But I was like, OK. And then the way they did the music as a DJ, the, the, the DJ was a little older. And but he mixed everything in to where it reached everybody. If, if I was in there by myself, like, you know, as a young person, I would relate to it because I, I hear all the music in the range there. He's gone. But I think you said it the last time we talked, how the DJs don't do that kind of like that playing out to where they started off with the R&B. And they go into the hip hop and the dance. Then they hit the break with the reggae break. A lot of DJs don't do that no more. You know, they just go straight, boom, you know, straight in to where by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you're like, okay, what am I playing now? Because you've already 
touched everything that you should have touched during those hours. To where, exactly. yeah, to where like at 10, 11 o'clock, now you're playing R&B, like, okay, then you, that's when you lose the crowd. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and all of that happens because DJs, like you just said, you just basically not willing to come up with a set production and say, look, if I'm the early DJ, I, I can't. But see, here's the problem. Pussy make the world go round. Mm-hmm. And because DJs want to be the hottest thing, and that, like I said, they want all the women to like them at all the time. They're going to try to, they don't care if they know at 12 o'clock you should save, save the hottest song in the country out for that because that's how a production would work, climbing up and then calming down. They don't care nothing about that. What they care about is I need to make this crowd think I'm the man, normally a crowd full of women or whoever, and, oh, and, and I'm going to be the man. No, just like you just said, no matter how, numbers don't lie. When all of the hot songs have been played, you either going to play them again and look like a dummy, or you're going to start breaking your set down, which still makes you look like a dummy, which means you never end up accomplishing what the hell you set out to do anyway by playing all the hot damn songs. Now you ain't got the girl, you ain't got the crowd, you ain't got nothing. Yes, and you know, I, I, you know, I've been DJing for... 11 years now and I didn't really know there was a like 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 a set type of time you should play music until probably my fifth year I'm out here just playing music and I'm like okay what am I playing now like but I didn't know until I actually got the guidance to like okay this is what you should be doing how you should be doing it because I know it's like 10 11 o'clock after I played all my good songs Everybody off the dance floor at the bar that's chilling. Can't, it's kind of hard to get them back once you once they're there, you know. So, but now that I have that, you know, playlist to where it's like I know when to play, how to play, and stuff like that. Now, if they come back and ask me to play it again, I don't mind playing it again, but I'm not gonna play it right when they ask me because I might have just played it three songs ago. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and then I might bring it back over a blend because I blend. So I might do it in a different version to where they're still enjoying it. So, you know, um, it, it's a lot of knowledge that DJ don't know because they don't, they don't want to get the knowledge from the, old, the older crowd the older DJs. Let, let, let me touch on that right there. And then I hate to do this because my phone, I'm watching it go down and down the percentage because I I, I I didn't even charge up. Queen of the South hit me up and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm here feeding the kids and doing this. But I wanted to make sure we make this interview. I don't even think it's so much that they don't have the knowledge because let's look at it like this. If a DJ looked at his art as art, and he said, I want to help all the other DJs out here make money from what we do. If we just put simple economics to the forefront, why would DJs play music so frequently for the get in free, drink free audience? That does not equal revenue. 
And I'm bringing up revenue because I'm saying, let's just scratch out what DJs know and what they've been taught and what they don't know. Let's just say what we know for sure. Everybody wakes up every day and nobody finna go to work and work two weeks and not get a check. Everybody know about money. Ain't no DJ finna go play no six hour set and take $25. But if you got to bring the money in to keep the money coming into your pocket and the other DJs, why are you rushing to play the music for the audience? They got to get in free and drink free. Can't nobody make no money doing that. It's just, in my opinion, people not you. It's been the biggest misuse of sweat equity that I've seen in the past 10, 15 years. You know, DJs like yourself, you're going to tell me you ain't never played no no limit. You ain't played no cash money. You ain't played no, no DOS effects. You ain't played no special ed. You ain't played. Come on. You played that stuff. You helped yeah. make those artists. Yeah, yeah. You you help, so you should be eating with those artists right now. You shouldn't be chasing the new cat down the street, begging for a t-shirt, begging for uh uh some some boxes with their name around the back, or uh, uh, begging for a ski mask, begging for that. And then you got to play to their audience who drink free and get in free to the late, which is the reason you're only making one hundred and fifty dollars, two hundred dollars when you could be making. Three, four, five. If you were speeding the machine that wants to feed you, man, I could talk about this for hours, brother, because I live it and I see it, and I've been able to go city to city and bypass a lot of DJs that's buying into that foolishness and go to the people. And it, I'll say this because I I don't want the phone to die. I'm gonna talk to you until it dies. But I, a market like Orlando, Florida, I watch a station. The station switched back to adult contemporary now, but I watched them have a funk fest concert that averaged 20,000 patrons a year. And they will only play, you could turn it on, you would hit case, you would hear all the hits from the 90s and the 2000s, and even some 80s and 70s. And then they switched their format and they started adding in the new artists with the stuff that they were doing. The concert went from an average of 20,000 to 2,000. Across the street, they had a low frequency. Three thousand. Now, this was a 100,000-watt station. Across the street, they had a low-frequency FM station, 3,000 watts, that did a Southern Soul concert. 4,000 people in the same field versus a 2,000, because they were trying to mix something that doesn't mix. So I'm just saying, I keep coming back to this point because the bottom line is... Put all to finally have a chance to make some money and then go back to the dumb shit. It just don't add up. So I'm grateful for people like Queen of the South and people like yourself who work with legendary artists that have believed in y'all and bought y'all records and t-shirts and reached out to y'all. And then in turn, y'all turn back around and say, hey man, we're gonna support who's supporting us because that's how the way the game should work. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, this was a lot of knowledge. <laughs> and, you know, um, this is, you know, it's actually kind of helped me broaden, broaden my understanding a little bit more as well. Um, but I know your phone about to die. So what we're going to do is we're going to wrap it up. So what where can the people find y'all 
And what's next for the 69 Boys? Yeah, yeah. We're always on IG and Facebook. On Instagram, it's official 69 Boys with a Z. And that's boys with a Z at the end. And uh, on Facebook, it's the 69 Boys fan page on Facebook. We, we always updating the, the, the dates, the, the show dates. We always have exclusive pics and vids on there. And we always just doing stuff like this, just keeping it real and, and, and just keeping it straightforward. Okay, okay. Any tour dates, uh, all acts on the uh, social media and stuff like that? Absolutely. And everybody out there in Texas, don't forget the 19th of March, we in the city in Dallas. DJ Queen, Queen of the South DJ and our set. We're asking all the fleet DJs to come out and party with us. We're just going to turn up and have a real good time. Man, like, I, I really want to come, but I'm going to be at I'm doing stuff at South by Southwest that weekend. So it was like, they got some awesome. So I was like, okay, yeah. It was. You what, brother? Hold it down for the grown folks up there. Because we need our grown folks committed worldwide. That's what we need. That's what we're going to do as DJs and patrons. It's time to bring the grown folks movement back. It's time for grown folks to stop trying to hang out with the kids in the club and go ahead on and create that vibe where we make the younger audience stand outside the door and be willing to pay a hundred dollars to get in here and see what these grown folk doing off in here like it used to be back in the day. So you hold it down and stop by Southwest. We're going to hold it down in Dallas and keep it popping. And then we're going to connect in May because I'm going to be on the cruise with y'all in May yes, for sir. the party cruise with Cupid. So yeah, we're, we're going to connect in and yeah, we're just going to have a good old time. So this has been another episode of After the Music Stops with your host, DJ Cyclops, right here on his Cartel Radio with our special guest, 69 Boys. And, uh, yeah. Hey, man, let me tell you this, too. Y'all go out there and stream our new record right now for everybody who stream, for everybody who just listen to music, go on YouTube, whatever you do. However you hear your music, 69 Boys, the new one is called Woo. We feel a whoop coming on. It's a dance to go to it and the whole nine shots out to everybody from Duval County, all the 69 boys supporters over the years. We love you. All right, all right. So that will be the end of this interview this evening. And uh, y'all take care. So see y'all next time. Peace. Peace.